Okay. Well, this show is off to a fantastic start as OBS has decided to just basically throw all my settings into the gutter. But however, we're here and we're going to do this. And this is Teal Tinted Glasses. Here goes nothing. Oh, of course, if you want to be a part of the show, be sure to hit us up on all the social media Twitter, mostly. That's where I operate anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this this is off to such a fantastic start. Uh, all right. Um, it's me. It's Mr. Hockey Jerk. And uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is fun. It's awesome. It's exactly how we drew it up. It's exactly how we drew it up. I don't know what happens. Sometimes, like, I just hit start, and then, like, OBS is just like... Did you really want these settings? I don't think you wanted these settings. Like, I, I set all this stuff up, and then it just tosses them at the last second. But, however, I, I'm getting quicker at compensating and figuring it out. Um, Mr. Hockey Jerk, uh, last night yes. you got to do a cool Twitter Spaces thing with the Hockey DV folks. How was that? Yeah, it was um, It was really cool. It, it, it kind of felt like a, um, I guess we'll say a town hall, mm -hmm. so to speak. You know, uh, uh, Shang was there, Curtis Pashalka was there, JD was there, me and Puck Guy were there. It was kind of a almost like a meeting of the minds a little bit of the Sharks, whatever terminology you want to say, uh, groupies, I guess. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> no, it was really cool. Um, it, you know, was an interesting format. You know, it was, uh, it was a little difficult to say something that wasn't already said but i think everybody did a pretty good job at providing a unique opinion and so i, I think it was a lot of fun and, and you know uh shout out to hockey db you know i mean i you know <laughs> this is gonna sound like a cheap plug but it's actually the truth like i probably use that website every day yeah. so to get to do something with them like it's really cool you know i i found that to be quite exciting and you know hopefully more opportunities like that come up in the future yeah, um, I was asked to do it. Unfortunately, I couldn't show because I was at I had to work. So I kind of I was I was listening to it like I was listening to it as um, as I was finishing up with work and stuff. But so my night wasn't wasn't as cool. Um, so right before close, my wife comes in. I work in a hardware store, and she goes over to the like the paint section. Right? I'm like, why are we looking at paint? Like, what are we? what are we painting because um, she's looking for different like paint swatches and stuff to bring home apparently this is this was my evening apparently uh the paint is for my daughter's room who feels that the colors of her room which granted she was pretty young when we moved into our current house um they they just don't fit her vibe anymore and uh neither do her stuffies and just yeah my daughter decided that she's all grown up and we have to fix her room and i was heartbroken that was that was that was my alternative to doing the hockey db thing <laughs> <laughs> it um, comes fast as they say yeah the moral of the story don't have children they grow up and they'll break your heart how old is your daughter my daughter is 12 now wow I'll say 12 13 i put me on the spot um <laughs> 12 <laughs> so yeah uh yeah she's all grown up way nice. too cool for too cool for her current colors too cool for her stuffies so yeah it's 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 a heartbreaking i mean i knew it was coming but it's just right. it's heartbreaking because like to me she's like itty bitty still like when it's funny because like and I'll, i promise we'll get the hockey at some point here but uh i'm just i gotta work through this on air apparently um <laughs> when i when like sometimes when i'm sorting my kids laundry like i still put like her brother now her brother's nine and i still put like calum's stuff in her basket just because in my mind she's still itty bitty mm -hmm. but even though she's like pretty much almost as tall as i am at this point and i still <laughs> put like her brother's clothes in her basket so uh that's uh that's that's my crisis um I'm sure anyone who's a parent out there listening knows exactly what I'm going through right now, but I promise <laughs> we are going to get to some hockey here. Um, yeah, uh, let's get to some Sharks news first. I think um, obviously a few more Sharks things came down the pipeline and then we're going to get into the get into our little preview of the Kraken as we start taking a look around the Pacific Division. 
Um, so I guess I'll start with some uh, some good news. Mario Ferraro uh, signed a four-year, uh, $3.25 million AAV contract. Um, obviously, that will bring him up to uh, unrestricted free agency when that contract uh, concludes. Kevin left a note uh, on our notes. Kevin, unfortunately, couldn't be here tonight. Uh, but he left a note saying that he was thrilled with the value, uh, nearly half of what he thought the salary would be, um, based off of the growing trend of young players getting paid before proving much. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't think that he was going to get paid a lot. Like, not not like I, I didn't think, like, I wasn't worried like he was going to get Kale McCarr money. And I've been on the record for saying that, like, a lot, right? Like, he's he's not getting $9 million. Like, it's going to be fine. Um <laughs> I I like the three point two five million. Uh, what do you What do you think? Yeah, you know I do too. It's kind of I mean I think it's funny before anything else. Like, you know this uh, this extension came out a day, maybe two days after we had said on the last episode. Ah, we're not worried. Well, mm-hmm. they'll get around to it. You know, so it was kind of impeccable timing. It was. Um, <laughs> but I'm not too worried. I mean, this is kind of you know this is your run of the mill sort of contract extension for a middle pairing defenseman. You know, it's very, obviously not the same, but very similar to what Vlasic got after his entry-level deal. Uh, It's very similar to the contract Brendan Dillon signed with the Sharks, very similar to the contract Justin Braun signed with the Sharks. So as far as the contract itself, like in a bubble, I think it's perfect for what Mario Ferraro is right now, and and I have no, no problems whatsoever with it. Uh, the only thing is, I I thought it was going to be a little different. I thought it might have been in the four million dollar range, but I was also expecting a six year deal. You know, mm-hmm. something that was going to buy up some some UFA years. So curious that it is a deal that brings them right to unrestricted free agency. But you know, I don't know that that's really something to be worried about for sure right now, and probably not ever. Yeah, I think with Mario, the the thing that I I, I have questions, obviously, with this team's blue line. I'm curious where he's going to play on this blue line. Um, I'm curious who his partner is going to be because I think that there are some people that do have some concerns with Mario Ferraro um, because him and Burns got caved hard uh, right. a lot last year. And so I'm curious to see who they stick him with to try and, you know, maybe... Because I, th- I, th- I thought he had a really good... Obviously, he had a really good uh, rookie year. Um, last year, like, I still think, like, I still think Mario Ferraro is a three, four guy. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Like, I know he tends to be overvalued a little bit, uh, within the Sharks sort of sphere of influence. Um, you know, he's not like, as you said earlier, you know, he's not your Kale McCarr. He's not, Mm -hmm. you know, at least in terms of the contract, he's not Darnell Nurse. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I, I kind of think he's in that three to four, that three, four kind of middle pairing range. And, you know, does that mean uh, does that mean that it's guaranteed he's going to be with Eric Carlson? I'm not totally sure of that. I think maybe to start, that might be a look uh, that wants to that the coaching staff may want to get a peek at. Um, you know, I think short term, it probably makes sense. I think long term, the hope is that Ferraro and Ryan Merkley can be a pairing. Mm hmm. Um, but it's just still too early to tell. I mean, I kind of feel just looking at the Sharks. I mean, I feel like they have, as it stands right now, if you say Carlson, Vlasic, Ferraro, like they have, if you ask me, there's three guaranteed NHL defensemen right now. Yeah. And, you know, Merkley, I think should be up. Schimmick will probably be up. And beyond that, I mean, I know they have Nudevara, they have Benning, they have Jacob Magna, but I'm just not sure. You know what I mean? Yep. I am uh I'm with you a hundred and ten percent there. So I, I don't know. I think if if, if he is a three four guy, I think this money is like the perfect amount of money for him. Absolutely. Um, the Sharks made their new coaching staff official. Um obviously we talked about Ryan Worsowski the last show, so I don't think there's really much more to add on that front, other than um his job is going to be running the PK and the defense. So Godspeed, my dude, Godspeed. <laughs> Um, but, uh, Scott Gordon, uh, rounds out the coaching staff. Um, Scott Gordon's 59. He's been coaching forever. Like since the, 
the now defunct IHL, um, which used to be a parallel league to the AHL. Um, he started coaching in 1994 and he's been coaching kind of ever since. Um, he's been a head coach, uh, in the NHL, um, on a few occasions, the New York Islanders and the Flyers, both not very good teams when he was coaching them. Um, he recently was the coach of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, um, who was, (laughs) none of this is good. Like his most recent stuff is not good. Like the, the Phantoms (laughs) were the worst team in the Atlantic division last year. Um, but Philly's such a train wreck, like just from top to bottom. Um, but uh, on on the plus side, uh, he was the uh, coach of the year. I mean, a while back now, AHL coach of the year in two thousand seven and eight, um, an AHL record of five hundred and seven, two sixty two, fourteen and seventy four, three division titles, eight playoff appearances. Um, his NHL record not so great, eighty nine, uh, one sixteen twenty seven. He's going to run the power play and the forwards group. I think when I look at those numbers, like obviously none of that's inspiring, right? Um, but I feel like at the same time, some guys are just better to be assistant coaches. Um, like I think Bob Bugner is a really good assistant coach, not a great head coach. And I think his head coaching record kind of reflects that. And right. I just wonder if that's the that's kind of a similar thing for Scott Gordon. And it's funny, you know, going back because um, – Kevin was in the chat. Hello, Kevin. Um, Kevin, uh, you know, and then the chat kind of offered that it would be a more veteran guy coming in to round out the staff. He just had the name wrong. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the, especially with obviously David Quinn, he's not, you know, he is not like a young, young coach, but he is, he is kind of inexperienced. Uh, you know, he's only coached a one other job with the NHL and then, you know, with Ryan Worsovsky as well, again, not a whole lot of experience, at least at the NHL level. So it makes sense to bring in like kind of a, a veteran guy who, you know, maybe they, you know, they couldn't chop it up as a head coach, but they still have that experience, that time spent on the bench. And I think it'll be, you know, I think it'll be rewarding for both. You know, I think it'll be a good fit. And like you said, the stats, not all that inspiring. Yeah. But when, you know, from a Sharks perspective, when everything is bad, it kind of makes sense to just go completely brand new, and that's why I'm kind of glad that they scorched the entire bench. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My one complaint, and maybe this is a stupid thing to be upset about, is I <laughs> I really like Dan Darrow as an assistant co- or a video coach. You know, I it just seemed like he was always on top of it, and that's a weird thing to like be upset about that somebody is now gone. But you know, uh, the next guy who the next video coach who we'll talk about, obviously he's uh, he's got some big shoes to fill. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, again, like a video coach, I'm with you, right? Like, it seems like it's, it seems like a small thing to get super upset about. But I think, like, it's okay, because I feel like there was a lot of shock among even, like, if you want to get, like, into, like, you know, there's slapdicks like us, and then there's actual media. And I thought among people in the actual media, there was a lot of people like your Pichelkas and your Shalenas that were really surprised that the Sharks... Uh, went that way right so i i think i think it's it's you're allowed right i think you're allowed to be befuddled by it i don't i don't i'm not losing any sleep over it but um yeah the new video coach obviously is uh nick galladini um he's been with the barracuda uh, as a video coach and uh director of hockey operations for the previous six years with the barracuda so he's moving up um Again, I, I don't have a problem there. Uh, obviously, a guy who's been, you know, who's been in the trenches a little bit uh, in the AHL, uh, moving up and taking a new role under um, the Mike Greer, um, you know, the Mike regime. Greer regime. Yes, thank you. That's exactly <laughs> the word I was looking for. Um, so I don't, I don't really have uh, much of an issue there. Um, you know, um, a lot obviously in the chat here, Ao is asking, you know, is the um, coaching staff an improvement from the prior season or too early to tell um you know Lacey's chiming in saying vastly improved at least on the assistance front um you know uh, like a tiger also saying that he feels that it's much improved um so i i you know i'm i'm willing to let it play out again right like i do i think this is i mean i like I like Ryan Rosofsky being on the bench, obviously. 
I think David Quinn, again, you know, we've talked about David Quinn already. We've done a whole show on this. And my take was basically like, I don't look at David Quinn as a retread. I think it's a guy who's going to get an opportunity to, um, you know, to get who gets a second kick at the can. And I think we'll see if he learned anything from his time with the Rangers. Right. And, and I'm, I'm with Kevin, too, like, especially on the front of the assistants, it's mm-hmm. A major improvement. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, yes, with excuse me, with Gordon, the late the latest uh, work, not the best, but mm-hmm. there is a history of being good there. And obviously, we know we know about Warsawski, and we know what he brings to the table, or I should say, brought to the table at the AHL level. And I I, I just think at the very least, you know, some may say, well, who's to say it might it's still early. Who knows if they're actually going to be better? But I think at least based on the resumes, based on what's done before, I think it's worth being excited. It's worth being intrigued by. And, yeah, you know, to to um, to the point of Tiger, you know, one of our assistant coaches was a former Coyotes coach. Uh, I, (laughs) I believe we even, you know, even at that time, I think we did a show and basically was not a fan of that hiring uh, from the get-go. And so the fact that this time around, the Sharks have once again hired assistant coaches, this time we are more complimentary, I think that shows growth. I think that shows positive steps. And I think even with Gordon, like, so his his most recent stuff, like even the most recent year in, in Lehigh Valley, but the year before that, now obviously this was the COVID shortened season in the, um, in the AHL where the, the Calder Cup wasn't awarded, but... Like it, it, it should be important to know that that team in the North Division was the best team in the North Division. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know two years ago, so I, I think when I look at guys like Wersowski and I look at guys like Gordon, it looks like they're bringing in a lot of guys who have a lot of experience developing players, and with the Sharks obviously having an influx of developing you know players that they need to develop. I, I think from that perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued for sure. Um, now, totally. did Mike Greer sign too many guys for the guys that need developing to climb over? We'll see. That's obviously a concern, right? I mean, maybe it's maybe it's by design. You know, maybe the idea is to make it harder for these players to make the NHL and really kind of light a fire under their ass to grow and to to develop, as opposed to just having an open path to a spot. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I could, I could, uh, I can see that. Um, Thomas Spear is the new goaltending coach. He uh, previously was the goaltending coach with the Stockton Heat, so obviously worked with uh, Dustin Wolf, who I think we're all pretty high on. Um, even even before that, I mean, yeah. remember, you know, going back to uh, the the oh my goodness, one of my cats just <laughs> fell off my desk. <laughs> um, going back to. Uh, you know, that year the Barracuda made their run in the playoffs, you know, every time they played Stockton, it was like, okay, you know, lesser of two evils, John Gillies or, or Big Save Dave. Big and, Save and Dave, you know, yeah. and, and, and so obviously there's a history there of, as you said, churning out good, at the very least, good AHL goalies, yes. you know, so we'll see how that translates. Yeah, um, and I, I, I like it. Um, obviously, it's going to work specifically with the NHL goalies. Evgeny Nabokov is going to oversee all the goalies in the system. Uh, I'm still very skeptical of, of getting to block off. Cause I feel like the, I mean, now granted the Barracuda's defense was Swiss cheese, but the, the turnover on the lower levels of goaltending for this team concerns me, but he is going to continue to oversee, um, all the other goalies in the systems. Um, Tommy Wingles returns to San Jose. Him and Lucas Pisa are going to be development coaches working under Mike Ricci, um, which I think is fun. Like development coaches, fine, whatever. Yeah, and especially with Tommy Wing, I mean, Tommy Wingles fan favorite, you know. So mm-hmm. I think for the people who generally like him as a person, as a player, I think that's really exciting for them. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any beef there at all. Um, and then some very unfortunate, awful news. Uh, Nikolai, Nikolai Knizhov, um recently tore his right Achilles tendon while, ice, while off ice training, trying to prepare for training camp. And he will miss six months after successful surgery, which was completed on the 10th. That news broke my heart. I agree. I think, I mean, he missed all of last year, right? Yeah. He didn't even get the chance 
to build on, you know, his really good rookie year. He didn't and now, you know, finally it seemed like there was a light at the end of the tunnel and then this happens and you know, I'm no expert, obviously, but mm-hmm. I do wonder if the fact that it's you know, it's a torn Achilles, mm. just the nature of that injury, it makes me wonder if maybe he might have pushed himself too early in training. Like maybe, you know, just certain parts of his body not working the way they should. And so obviously you have to put more pressure, more stress on other parts of your body. Yeah. And so I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to speculate obviously, but it's unfortunate. Cause as we know, we've, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think of all the possible injuries you can have while playing hockey, I feel like over the years, Achilles tears have been the injury we've dissected the most. Yeah. And I'm, it, I will say this, what I do know about Achilles tears, he's very fortunate it's only six months he's going to miss. Yeah. Because usually it's, you know, six months of recovery and then six months of rehab. Yeah. Um, Tiger in the chat saying, I'm skeptical if we ever see Knijov as a uh, shark again. And, like, I don't want to be that nihilistic about it, but, man, it's he's got a tough road to, to come back now. Because it's, you know, again, it's a new regime, right? So he's gonna have to he's gonna have to rehab this injury and then try and fight his way back into the lineup. Probably start in the Barracuda, um, and then try to break into uh, an NHL lineup. And it's gonna be interesting to see what this decor really looks like this year. Because I, I think the the decor in in both systems, both the Barracuda and the Sharks, is fascinating to me because i honestly i don't know what to make of it i'm not sure who's gonna do what yeah it it's hard to say i mean it feels it, it feels like the sharks are in similar place or in a similar kind of place than the barracuda and what i mean by that is like for both we don't know who's going to be in the in the top six defense mm-hmm. for both teams but the for the sharks i almost kind of feel like it's okay, who are we going to put in the lineup, right? Yeah. And for the Barracuda, it's more like, who are we going to keep out of the lineup? Yeah. Because the Bar- I mean, and we've kind of touched on it before, but, you know, the Barracuda have a, a, a mountain of AHL defensemen. I mean, LaRock is there, Hataka is there, Kevin's favorite player, Chichek is there, Kinyajev is there. Even before Kinejov got hurt, I thought, you know, he was going to be an option. I still think Megna finds his way back down there. You know, the Sharks don't really have a lot of bodies, and the Barracuda seems like they have nothing but bodies. So mm-hmm. for different reasons, both teams are going to have to figure out who plays on the blue line this year. Um, and AO in the chat just uh, saying, well, at least we don't have Martin Jones overseeing the goaltending department. I'm, you're probably right. Yeah, that's a fair point. That, that I mean, is a fair point. You talk about talk about the facelift the Sharks goaltending has gotten in the last 12 months. I mean, like we were hyped that Reimer came back after Jones was bought out. And then it's like, oh, here's a Capo Kakinen, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that kind of wraps up uh, Sharks news. Obviously, look, at is as we continue <laughs> through the summer, um, our goal now is going to be probably to get through all the Pacific Division teams. Uh, I do want to do a Barracuda preview with Kevin if we can strap Kevin down and make him not busy. Uh, that's something that we'd definitely like to do before we go. I think if we can fit all that in before the season starts, I'd be ecstatic. Um, mm-hmm. And in that vein, I would like to um, start the the Know Your Enemy series, as we like to refer to it. And uh, our first stop is what I decided, because I, I put it out on the last show. I said... Tell me who you want me to talk about. No one wanted to talk about anyone. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'm just going to go from the bottom of the division to the top, obviously excluding the Sharks, because we've talked about the Sharks a ton, and there's not really much to... There's not much meat left on that bone, right? We we very famously don't like the Sharks. We, we hate the Sharks, let's be honest. <laughs> I'd rather talk about anyone else. Um, so in that vein, uh, let's talk about the Seattle Kraken, who were the uh, last place team in the Pacific Division last season. So we are going to start with them first. Um, now, obviously, some of these numbers are based on cap-friendly numbers, and they're prob- obviously they're going to change, right? Because once lineups get sorted and guys come off the IR, back onto the IR, whatever... You know, uh, the numbers are probably going to change. But currently, 
the uh, current cap hit for the Seattle Kraken, according to Cap Friendly, is 81,489,166, which gives them projected cap space about 1,010,834. Um, I'm going to go through the subtractions quick. Uh, subtractions on the forward group, uh, Victor Rask, uh, who I think is still unsigned, which kind of surprises me, um, which means he's a New York Islander. Uh, <laughs> I just decide that everyone who's not signed is a New York Islander. I like it. That's a good point. That's a good point to make. Um, Ford Riley Sheehan went to Buffalo. Uh, Daniel Sprong, um, not signed yet. Didn't get a qualifying offer. Uh, Hayden Flurry went to Tampa Bay. Uh, Derek Pouliot is now a member of the San Jose Barracuda. Um, coming in, Andrew Barakovsky, uh, Oliver Berkstand, uh, defenseman Justin Schultz, defenseman Michael Kempney, um, my favorite goalie Martin Jones, and um, and Kevin added also um, Andrew Poralski, uh, who was the HL's first 100-point uh, scorer in 12 years and signed a two-year one-way contract with the Seattle Kraken. So good for him uh, to parlay that uh, season uh, into something um, like that. Uh, their current IR players... Um, Brandon Tenev uh, tore his ACL last season, but uh, should be ready to go for camp. And Chris Dreger, of course, tore his ACL in the gold medal game at the World Championships and will be out until January at the earliest, which is why Martin Jones um, is in the picture. Um, top prospects. Uh, you want me? Do you want to talk about any of this before I go on? Or? Yeah, let's let, let's jump into the right now. Okay, I would say sure. I mean. The prospects do kind of play in a factor, right? Because obviously, Maddie sure. Veneers and Shane Wright could very easily be on this team. I think. Oh, absolutely. I, I think. I mean, with where Seattle is at, I mean, I, it, it makes too much sense to, like, start. Like that's how they should start. Obviously, you know, things can obviously change. Maybe Shane Wright, and I know we got a question about it, but you know, mm -hmm. maybe Shane Wright, maybe he goes back to Kingston. You know, maybe Maddie Veneers. You know, he could easily go down. And play for, you know, S Palm Springs Hockey Club. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> the what are the Ch oh Coachella, Coachella Valley. Valley? Yeah. Yes. I man, I'm never gonna remember that. Um, <laughs> you know, he could easily go down and play for Coachella Valley. You know what I mean? So, it's. I think with with those two in particular, you might as well just start with them up. I mean, with where that team is at, like, mm -hmm. there, <laughs> what what's gonna happen if they go? You know, if they go zero and nine to start the year whatever like i don't think they really care you know yeah because they're still building an identity there but if it works out then you know hey they could easily come in especially with the additions they made and we can obviously get into that you know if everything goes according to plan for the kraken maybe i i want to be bold you know they i could see them leapfrog of vancouver leapfrog and anaheim you know get into that you know maybe not the la conversation but definitely below la because you, you look at the subtractions versus the additions. Mm -hmm. It's very obvious to me that Seattle wanted to at least try to be better this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'm bold enough to think, I don't know if I'm, I'm as bold as you on them. <laughs> Do I think they're better than the sharks? I, I like their forward group. Yeah. I don't, this defense doesn't do anything no. for me though. That defense is a, yeah <laughs> right it, it's not good yeah like this this defense i'm i, mean, I am it's not a decent fan. it's decent it's like a it's a, it's a bottom of the division blue line you know it's like yeah. you're um you know if you were playing the nhl video game from 2014 this would be a really good blue line <laughs> but i like 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 i, I want to look at their forward group though because i think their forward group like their forward group has a lot of players that i really really like right i'm just not sure how it all fits together right but like i like i mean i'm we're all big fans of jordan everly on this on this pod mm -hmm. right um I think Jaden Swartz is still a decent player. Obviously, like the additions are fantastic. Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand, like yeah, additions. B yeah, B those two for sure. I mean, Burakovsky was really good for the Colorado Avalanche, and coming in at five and a half million bucks. I mean, that's you know he's easily a seven million dollar player. You know, just if if he can replicate uh, what he did, especially this past season, and uh, Bjorkstrand. I mean, we talked about it. You know the. Mm -hmm. 
I'm sorry to say if you're a Blue Jackets fan, which I don't know that you would be listening, but the Blue Jackets got finessed in that trade. Like Bjorkstrand is Bjorkstrand's a legit goal scorer. And, you know, I, I kind of said, you know, in our Discord, if you're not part of our Discord server, you'll need to send me a DM on Twitter. And we'll make that happen. But, absolutely, you know, I had said on Discord as soon as the trade came down, I'm like, this is this summer's Buchnevich. Mm-hmm. You know, because we talked about last year, Buchnevich gets traded for less than what he's worth and has a career year. And I I see that happening with Bjorkstrand. I think, like we talked about, you know, especially on the forwards, Seattle really made their team better. I mean, the, the firepower alone uh, that they added is, is has made them better. But also, you know, as you mentioned, they still have Everly. They've mm-hmm. still got Jaden Schwartz. Friend of the show, Jared McCann, is still there coming off a career year. Just signed an extension. Mm-hmm. You know, the, their forwards are really good. Like, I'm I'm actually quite intrigued to see uh, how it all shakes out with them. Right, and then you, you throw in a Matty Beneers and a Shane Wright. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's like the cherry. That, I mean, you <laughs> imagine, you know, like, I'm I, again, like, obviously I think you're going to have guys like the one place where I have concerns about them right now, not going forward, right? Because I think, look at, I think Matty Beneers is a hell of a player, right? And I think mm-hmm. Shane Wright's a hell of a player. But do you want to ride or die with those guys as your top two centers right now? That would concern me a little bit. I think, I mean, we we had this conversation with Eklund last summer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Eklund, bit of a different uh, impact that Beneers has brought to the Kraken. But I think... Similar to the point I made last year, I mean, if he's if he's ready to go, you can only hold him down for so long. No, and I I, I agree with that. I just feel like I just wonder, like, because I look at this line, I, I look at this, and there's no beyond that though. Like, unless you're like, I look at like Morgan Geeky, right, or like I look at some other other centers, right, and I just feel like they don't have anyone who can kind of take the heat off those guys. Sure. Right. Like they're, they're just like, I just worry about them getting put into, into a role where they have to kind of be the, the top guy right away. And there's no one to kind of shelter them from that. Cause That's I fair. mean, who, who are you going to put, like, who are you going to put up there if, if like, they're just getting worked in a game, right? You're not going to put Yanni Gord on your first line. Well, <clears throat> you know, they did, I mean, they did last year for sure. And, you know, I mean, Yanni Gord is a good player. I, I think I, he's a great player. Is he a number one center in this league? No. He, he's not a number one center. And, and you know, the 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 thing I look at, you know, face his face-offs, 40, 49% on the face-offs, which is, it's like, okay. But that's not, as to your point, that's not number one center numbers. And obviously scored a, scored a good amount of points. I mean, but again it's not close to what he was doing in Tampa. No, no, for sure. And, you know, his shooting percentage was really inflated this year. So that it's a lot to think about there. And then with Jared McCann, again, friend of the show, Mm -hmm. same thing, 45% face-offs and, you know, had a career high in points, but also minus 26. So, yeah. Like, and that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of underlying Shane Ryder, Matty Beniers isn't going to be like, that's going to be their one, two going forward. I at least try it. Yeah, no, for sure. I just, I just wonder like if you, if you run into a situation where like you're just playing, I mean, maybe, and that's how you learn too, I guess. Right. I think that's like my only concern as, as far as them kind of just jumping up the standings. I think that's where, like I'd be a little concerned if they got overmatched by some of the the heavier team, like like playing like an Edmonton mm-hmm. or a Calgary, right? Like that's where I would just be worried about them. Like I think like I like this forward group, and I think going forward, like these guys are obviously like I re- again I really like Matty Beniers. I really like Shane Wright. Getting Shane Wright at four was just stupid good. It's a heist. Yeah, absolutely. I so I mean like I. I'm not trying to say like I don't want people to get like to walk away from this thinking like oh man Ian really doesn't like those guys I just think like at their <laughs> age like I just wish they had another guy that could kind of insulate them from the Connor McDavid's as they find their way in the NHL that's all well and and you know here's the other thing to think about as well and and obviously you look at the forwards for the crack and I mean right now like you know Cap Friendly's got them as having 15 forwards which right. 
way more than you're uh, should be having on your NHL roster. Correct. But we did also mention, you know, they've they've got a bevy of wingers here. I mm-hmm. mean, just looking at it, you know, as you said, Everly, Schwartz, Burkowski, Bjorkstrand. Um, you could even count, you know, Go, uh, Gordon McCann. They played center last year, but you know, both of them have experience playing wing. You could even think of them as wingers as yep. well. And to your point, if you want to insulate, you know, Beniers and and ride a little bit better, or if you know they both are not NHL ready, and I, I think Beniers might be right. I'm not totally sure, yeah. and you know, you need to send them away. The Kraken have a million wingers, and they've got a bunch of draft picks. I mean, not mm. Vegas level draft picks, but they have a bunch of draft picks. Like if if things start off well for them, but it's not quite there. I mean, I wouldn't rule out a big trade for them. Yeah. You know? Oh, I mean, they they definitely have the the draft capital, right? Like, um, going into again, just uh, some other other prospects that I really like. Um, obviously Jaeger Furcus, which they picked up in the second round. Um, I also really like uh, Ryan Winterton and Riker Evans. Um, and you know, again, like you brought up their draft picks. Like their draft picks in twenty twenty three, they have a first, a second, Toronto second, Winnipeg second, a third, a fourth, Colorado's fourth, um, their fifth, their sixth and Washington sixth and their seventh like they have they have the the pieces that they can move around like they could swing a big deal if someone you know if someone drops out of it and you know they want to they want to move a big piece like Seattle could be a team that could be very opportunistic and and um swoop in right right and and I think I I I think conventional wisdom is you would look at their blue line and you would say okay probably the blue line is where they would want to address via trade but mm-hmm. at the same time they've they've got a bunch of forwards and we love their forward group but mm-hmm. they it, it's a lot of the same guy and i wonder if it would make more sense to take one of those guys maybe that's schwartz maybe that's everly maybe it's gord and mm-hmm. package that for a, a number one center you know i don't want to i don't want to stoke any fires here but there, there's a a certain shark wearing number 39 who could be very good <laughs> i don't know if they'd want i i don't know it's in, it's it's an interesting thought um my obviously again my red flag with this team is the blue line i think the blue line is just okay it's it's nothing special i i think it's serviceable it's mm-hmm. fine um it's it's fine. Uh goaltending wise, um I don't with Chris Dreger being out um until the middle of uh, of the year, right? And I think he had a pretty mediocre season last year, but I don't I don't hate them grabbing Martin Jones. Um the modified no trade makes me scratch my head a little bit and <laughs> Martin Jones' agent still hasn't called me yet. I don't hate that addition <laughs> though, because I think that he wasn't like he he's Martin Jones. We you know what you're getting with Martin Jones at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. He's not you're not strapping your team on Martin Jones and riding him into the playoffs. <laughs> but I think he can I think he can be a serviceable backup in this league. I think there were some games last year where he showed glimpses of and we and we saw this in San Jose too where we saw glimpses of the Martin Jones that we used to know. Right, and 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 you know what, Martin Jones. To your point, he is a at this point, I would say he is a glimpses goalie, mm-hmm. and so I, I think he kind of makes a lot of sense for the Kraken because I think if if you are, you know, if you are Dave Haxtall and team, you're wanting Grubauer to be a sixty game goalie, and I know people are going to say, oh my God, he was brutal last year, mm-hmm. and and he was totally was brutal, but the year before he was up for the Vesna and. Four years, five years before that, you know, going back to Colorado and Washington, he was a very good goalie. And I I think with Grubauer, I mean, it's I don't think the Kraken should be turning their back on him all of a sudden. I still think he is a horse and I think he is the guy who needs to man the net there a majority of the time. And so if he is your 60, 65 start guy, that's perfect for Martin Jones. You know, he can be that glimpses goalie and, you know, maybe he'll play once every three or four weeks. But. That's all you need from a guy like him. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, obviously, because my hair was on the line, I did watch a little bit of Martin Jones in Philly, and I just realized how bad Philly's defense was. And, I again, I don't think this blue line is much better than Philly's, to be completely honest with you. No. Um, but I just, I don't know, man. Like, I look at 
not a Martin Jones guy, clearly, but I think you could do a lot worse for a guy who's going to come in and play half the year and then probably get moved at the deadline. Uh, mm -hmm. Then, you know, for $2 million one year, like there's not real much, there's no real risk there. No. So I don't, I don't and, hate it. And I, and I know this year at the trade deadline was kind of a log jam uh, for trading goaltenders, but as, as, as we've seen in years past, all it takes is for one to get hurt. What do you think of uh, Dave Haxtell as as the coach? I'm I'm not interested in that. Like I I don't understand. I just don't understand it. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and granted, I mean he. You know what is? How much does a coach really play into things? Who's to say? But it was not who I expected it to be. I think we talked about that last year as well. And. I just do wonder kind of what's the plan what's the plan there going forward I mean you know his the length of his contract is still private information I mean nobody really knows how long he is going to be there and I just wonder if he's a long-term option like is it going to be a situation where he's just kind of steering a little bit and then once the crack and pick it up and are a are a playoff contender you know it's he's going to get the broom and they're going to bring in who they actually want I don't know I'm I'm not really a big fan of him as a coach, but if the idea is to just tread water for a couple of years, then yeah, he's fine, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at this team, right? And I think Ron Francis, like, I don't think his run in Carolina was super fantastic. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think a lot of people, like, Seattle, I think everyone that enters the league now after Vegas is always going to like kind of have that well did you make the cup your first year in the league mm -hmm. right <laughs> right um and obviously like seattle wasn't interested in that uh, and i know some people were kind of disappointed with how they went now on the other side i think the two drafts that they've been a part of i feel like both of us on this like i think all three of us i think kevin included we've come off the drafts and i think every year since seattle's been in the league Seattle's been on our, you know, of, of the winners and losers of the, you know, the quote unquote winners and losers of the draft. I think Seattle's done a really, really good job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, I know it's like, yeah, right fell to them at four. You know, nobody's mm -hmm. taking that away. But again, like, you, but even outside still... the first round, right? Like, obviously, yeah. Right. Obviously, when you're going to pick in the top, you're going to get, you know, when you're picking in the top five, you're going to get guys. But again, you also have to go up and make the pick, right? Yeah. You know, they could have easily fumbled that as well. But yeah, I think with the draft, I mean, just as you meant, you know, you mentioned you mentioned Riker Evans, and that's another guy. Um, you know, they, they snagged him in the second round, and, and he's another guy who looks promising, you know, had a good year with Regina. And who knows? I, I Like you said, I, I just feel like they oh, they always find a way to be in the conversation, like, of top of the you know entry draft rankings we'll say which is to me is kind of ironic because i personally think their expansion draft was brutal so mm -hmm. yeah but i think it was brutal by design sure and that's fair and they did i, I you know like it was they went for the more traditional um expansion team <laughs> experience which i i it's hard right like when i i like i know a lot of people are really salty about the vegas expansion i still don't understand five years later and we're still and i don't understand why people are still upset like <laughs> but like you know the other I... thing too and I, and I will say this for seattle too like a lot of teams realize that like if they had contracts going into that expansion draft right like a lot of teams are like well we don't have to trade with seattle we can trade with other teams and get out of our you know our, our issues with um you know oh I, we have a couple of guys that we're afraid of losing and we want to kind of minimize our impact. Like we saw Victor Arvidsson go to LA instead of mm -hmm. like getting traded to Seattle to not take another guy that they wanted to keep. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's a I, fair point. I, I think like some teams did wise up and obviously I think they, they wanted to go the route of, you know, of kind of building up through the draft a little bit. And I don't, I don't hate it. Like, I just think if this team is still garbage in five years though, then, 
obviously then you fire Ron Francis into the sun. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like I, I think that's the only thing, like when, when you have an expansion draft and you have the opportunity to, to crash out of the gate, it's, it's hard to see some of the, like for, for me, it was, it was difficult to see some of the players they left on the table. Now, ultimately, if this team is like, if this team is two years away from, you know, basically giving everyone else in the Pacific headaches, then it'll all be worth it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious to think, you know, what, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens, um, in that regard, I, you know, and that's kind of like one of the, one of the questions, you know, that I have is like, do you think, do you think they're on the right path? I, I, I think if you're asking me that question after the expansion draft, it's, I mean, it's hard to even know what their path was, right? For sure. But the way, you know, kind of the way they did the expansion draft, to your point, going the more traditional route. Um, and obviously, you know, they traded away guys like Mark Giordano, uh, you know, Jeremy Lozon, Colin Blackwell, and were able to get draft picks for these guys. So you look at that and it says, OK, you know, that's you know, they want to accumulate picks and build through the draft and kind of have like a homegrown squad, which I can re- respect and I appreciate. But then. I don't know the other side of that coin, right? You, I mean, you sign Philip Grubauer, you sign Burakovsky, and you trade for Bjorkstrand, and you sign Jaden Schwartz. Like you look at these moves, and it's mm-hmm. like you don't make those moves unless you're trying to be good. And so I, I almost wonder if Seattle is trying to have their cake and eat it too, where it's like, yeah, okay, we'll try to be good, and if not, you know, we can dump guys for picks, and hey, we'll be right back at it next year. And and you know, Seattle's a nice city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't know, maybe that has something to play with it, but I just, I don't know how to answer your question. Cause I'm not totally sure what path they're on. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think now again, if, if we come to a month into the season and they, they look like they're clicking and then they turn around and, you know, swing a trade for maybe a, a, a high profile center that's available and, and who that would be. I mean, I'm not too sure, you know, it, it's, you don't know who's going to be available, like until you get there, you know, maybe yeah. that's a, I mean, maybe that's a Jonathan Taves, you know, which mm-hmm. feels like a big deal, but I'm not sure. But it's really hard to say because they've done a little bit of both, you know. And I, I, I was wondering. I know, you know, the the tea leaves say that he's going to the New York Islanders, and it, it it's just a deal in the drawer at this point. But I do wonder what Nazem Kadri would look like in Seattle. I just don't know how they make that cap work. Well, and that's the thing; they would have to move a body out. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's, I think that's the weird thing with the NHL right now, too, right? Because it's like, at one point in time, oh, you just, you just move a body. But, like, you look at Cap Friendly, and again, Cap Friendly obviously just has, you know, what they think is going to be NHL rosters. Um, but, like, everyone's over the cap, it feels like. <laughs> well, that's like, and even last year, what was it, you know, what was it? Like, I think two-thirds of the league was using LTIR. Yeah. Like, the, you know, and, and a lot, I mean, obviously... Injuries are injuries and they're going to happen, but you've just the way that the pandemic has sort of, you know, put a wall in front of the salary cap growth has really kind of jammed everything up. And, you know, they say that the salary cap will be back to normal in two years. And I'm optimistic, but I hope so. Nobody, but nobody knows, right. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, to me, I feel like if I, I kind of, I agree with you. I think it's, they're kind of just, throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks as they accumulate draft picks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when you've got guys like Matty Beneers and, and I think getting Shane Wright, right. And then you can go and make, I think getting guys like that, like guys that are, in my opinion, are going to be foundational pieces, uh, a, a one, two combination. That's just going to give this division absolute fits sooner than later. Yeah, I, I mean that's I, we, we've it's we've gonna kind be of interesting to see what they do. Um, yeah, I was gonna say we've we've seen that already. Like we're already starting to see that where it's it it kind of feels like every team in the Pacific, like even Anaheim, even Vancouver, even the Kraken, every team is feels like they're all moving in the opposite direction of the Sharks. Yeah, Anaheim's interesting. Like Anaheim is, I, I'm really looking forward to doing Anaheim because Anaheim, like they you think they're one place, but it feels like they think they're another. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. Um, 
To wrap up on Seattle, though, I mean, where do you think they finished? Like, I think they move up. I don't think they're going to be the swell, the cellar dweller of the Pacific. I just don't know how high they get up. I think they're better than the Sharks. Mm-hmm. I think they're better than the Ducks. Okay. I don't know how higher I would go beyond that. I I do agree with you about the Sharks. I don't know that I'm ready to say that they're better the, than the Ducks, but, I mean, they definitely have the Ducks beat on forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defenses are pretty close, and then Gibson versus Grubauer. I mean, that's kind of what it boils down to. And so, I, I, it's hard to say. Like, if Seattle ends up below Anaheim or above Anaheim, like I'm not going to be shocked either way. So, I guess, I guess if I had to say, you know, no higher, th- I would say no higher than sixth. You know, so either above L- uh, San Jose and Anaheim, or above one, below one, or below both. But I don't think they'll be higher than two teams. Yeah, I think, I think I would probably put them in sixth. I I don't, but I mean like, it's one of those things where I can see like if a team really stumbles, and it's going to be interesting because I think the Pacific Division, the Pacific Division is kind of fascinating. I think it's bad, but right last night on the thing there, you know, JD kind of gave me a little bit of pause where he's kind of like, I don't think I think people are underrating a lot of teams in the Pacific, and I'm like, hmm. Like it, it's, it's given me, it made me kind of rethink what I, my view on the Pacific. Yeah. And I, I remember him saying that and, and I kind of had the same thought, you know, when I reanalyzed and, you know, just, I, I don't think bad is the right word to say. It's definitely of the four, I would say it's probably the worst but it's definitely better than it was, especially the last two years. I don't know if is it worse than the central though. Hmm. Maybe on top, like maybe maybe the top end teams Ye- won't match up with the central, but like at the bottom. Yeah, that's a fair point. Because really, in the central, the only teams that I'm kind of horse eyeing are Colorado and St. Louis. Like I. So I, yeah, you know what I mean. Like the central has both Chicago and Arizona, who are. Super on a race to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, no, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that either. I th- I think the the top of the central is better than the top of the Pacific, but maybe that the, I agree with. The middle, though, I I could see an argument where the Pacific is better than the central, at least in the middle of the division. Um, something else that I thought about, and and we'll we'll see. But I think. I think it's going to be really funny if we get to the end of the Know Your Enemy series and we look back and we realize that we put like we put like four of the eight teams in sixth place, like in individual (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to stick to it. You know what, though? I'm sticking to it. I'm saying no higher than sixth. Yeah, that's how I feel. I I feel like they're going to be I don't know. Like, I don't think they're going to be a seller dweller. I think they're going to do all right. I think they're going to. Are they going to be like a super top five lottery pick team? I don't think so. Yeah, I could, you know, I could see them now that you think it, you know, you're kind of in my head with how bad the central division is. Mm-hmm. I could, I could see the Kraken be like really bad in the division, but still better than a bunch of other teams outside the division. Well, even still, I mean, and if you look at like, if you go East, like East, you have a lot of teams, which I think are, I think you have the Flyers, which are going to be absolutely atrocious but outside of that like i think you have a lot of teams trying to be better and i just don't know how that shakes up right like i think obviously playing in those in either the atlantic or the metro like that's just like to try and move up is death i mean i think in the metro i definitely think you have your the haves and the have-nots yeah but i think i think there's more haves and have-nots in the metro um I don't know because I look at like Carolina Rangers Penguins and then flip a coin between the Capitals and the Islanders like I don't see Philly as a threat or the Devils or the Blue Jackets like Blue Jackets I think are moving in a they're moving in a direction yeah the Devils will probably not be great that's that's fair Um, but you know but the the Blue Jackets are trying to move like obviously you don't bring in Johnny Gaudreau to miss the playoffs (laughs) right I yeah I don't know I still think I still think you're flipping a coin between Washington and the Islanders personally. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think Washington is on the downside of that. I, sort I of think they're, choice. yeah, like the Capitals are probably on the downswing. Um, but like I, but I look at the Atlantic, like, so, you know, Florida, Toronto, Tampa, Boston, those are your hitters, right? Mm-hmm. Buffalo got better. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say they, maybe they didn't get better, but they, they progressed. Like the group they have progressed. Mm-hmm. Detroit got better. Mm-hmm. Ottawa got crazy mm-hmm. better. The Atlantic is like the Atlantic is going to be the juggernaut. Like it probably like it, if the NHL were to rig the playoffs at any point, they should take all eight teams from the Atlantic to the playoffs. <laughs> I'm sure fans in the Metro would have an issue with that, but yeah. <laughs> and I, I like, think that's I, the thing. Like, I think there's going to be teams over there that are, that are avid, like, you know, look at, obviously look at you play against certain teams so many times, like it's obviously going to hurt at some point. And I right. just wonder, like, I just think there's going to be teams in the East that are that are not bad, but they're going to be bad by default because they just have to play in their division. Well, and I, yeah, and I, and I think again, as I mentioned, you know, you kind of, you have your hitters in the, you know, your Florida, your Toronto, your Tampa, your Boston, but like, if you're Ottawa, if you're Detroit, if you're Buffalo, not Montreal, Montreal's a nightmare, yeah. but if you're one of those three, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, you are building up. And also hoping that the Capitals and the Islanders are on a downswing so you can snipe a wild card spot. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. So I think, yeah, I, I mean, I look at Seattle. I think they're, they're definitely, they're a team on the come up because I think they're mm-hmm. drafting they have to be. And I think if they, if, if Ron Francis somehow manages to screw this up, then he should never be a GM again. Because I, I feel like all the pieces are there. It's just an issue of just you know developing and moving forward totally and they and you know like and like you said they have the draft capital that if if for some if somehow and i don't and i don't foresee this right but if for somehow they're coming up and you know they're somehow in a playoff race they can they can buy yeah absolutely i mean even and and, you know they could go the other way too where Mm -hmm. if they if they're you know like if they're not in a playoff race, like obviously, you know, the easy ones to point out, Donskoy, Donato, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even Martin Jones. I mean, those are guys, yeah, they can trade those and get picks. But beyond that, like I look at that top, you know, if you're on cap friendly, you know, their top seven or eight forwards, like I think I would take any of those guys on my team. You know, the, the Kraken, like I said, they've kind of done a little bit of both. They've done the accumulate assets kind of plan while also doing the let's try and be good plan and i kind of feel like they're set up you know they've continued you know coming into year two here they they've done a good job at simultaneously doing both and then if any time one looks more attractive than the other they can completely steer in that direction yeah and uh just to pull a quick poll we had in the chat um uh, where does the kraken finish in the pacific division and 89% 89% of the chat said uh, in the 6th, 7th, we had 11% say they finished dead last, which I just think is crazy. The Sharks are finishing dead last. <laughs> um, we did have a question uh, as far as um, Shane Wright goes. Like, um, first overall picks rarely ever go back to the CHL, but since Shane Wright didn't go first overall, will Seattle send him back to Kingston since there isn't much pressure um, for him to play in the NHL immediately. And that was from our buddy Logan Teal86 um, at Teal Report, uh, Teal underscore report, sorry, on the Twitter machine. Um, I, I don't, I think with Seattle again, it depends on how they're doing, right? Like, I think if Shane Wright flies out of the gate and makes it impossible to send him back down, then I think you continue playing him, right? Mm-hmm. Like even if you burn a year, like I think any getting that experience in the NHL, if he if he shows that he can hang in the NHL beyond the the the, the nine games, like I think you do it. I, I if he if he if he proves he can stay, I think if 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 he's not doing much, and and here's the thing too, right? Like even if you burn a year of his contract, you can still send him back to junior, right? Like so, if he hits like the mid season wall, you can still send him back to Kingston eventually. Like I, I just think I just think it depends on how he plays. I think you give him the opportunity to play, um, coming out of the gate, and if he shows he can play, I think you let him play. I I agree. I think he's like I said earlier, he's at the very least should get the chance. And but the I I will kind of differ from you. I think if you get to nine games, unless you're absolutely sure that he should stick around, like 
you got to send them back. Like even if you're 50, 50, you got to send them back because the way I'm kind of looking, you know, reading the tea leaves, like, so he's obviously a center. Mm-hmm. I don't see him playing above Yanni Gord. I don't see him playing above Jared McCann or Alex Wenberg for that matter. So maybe he's your fourth line center, or maybe you make him a top six center and you move one of those guys to the wing, but then mm-hmm. you're going to have to push someone else down further in the lineup. And, I feel like a jackass for even saying it, but like trying to shoehorn Shane right into the lineup right now is going to disrupt everybody else who has a spot in the lineup. And I think with that in mind, you have to, assuming he plays well, like assuming he, he comes in and does a good job. Like if he's not cutting it, obviously you send him back to juniors, but like if he does play well, like you're going to have to move a body to accommodate the ice time that he's going to need and the, the, the line mates that he's going to need. And so, yeah, it's not, as, it's not as easy as, Oh, let's just play him. Like there's a bunch, you know, somebody is going to get the shaft when it's all said and done and they're going to be the odd man out. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think look at, I, again, I look at him and Beniers as like, they're, they're going to be like the one to make the Pacific cry pair. Um, if he can, I, if he can do that to start really quick, I think that's great. But. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, kind of like what I said before, I think mm-hmm. Beniers, Beniers, as far as I'm concerned, yes, he's only played 10 games, but I think Beniers is, I think he's there. He's a mm-hmm. lock, if you ask me. I mean, he's, the experience is limited, but the limited experience he had, he played very well, you know. Yeah. I and don't know, I would, I, I'd be excited. Like, if I'm a Seattle fan, like, I'm a lot more, I feel like I'm a lot more excited about Seattle's prospects than the Sharks at this point. Absolutely. Like, they, they're going to be exciting to watch. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I had, did I have any other questions on the Twitter machine? I can't remember. I don't think, I think that was it. All right. So, um, us doing a short show. What? I know. <laughs> I feel like we've, we've cheated everyone. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, if you want our shows to go longer, make us talk about things. Um, no, actually, but um, again, uh, so next week, uh, next week, I think same day, Wednesday, uh, we are going mm-hmm. to look at the Anaheim Ducks. So I hope you will come back and uh, join us for that because I think that's going to be fun. Um, any final thoughts? Um, I have a question. So okay. do you um, have you watched any of the uh, any of the World Juniors at all? I have. Um, I didn't watch a lot of like the early games because I when I was on vacation I was like basically watching it on my phone um, mm-hmm. which I'm just I'm too old to watch things on my phone I don't like it <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I have uh, I watched um, I watched all the games today I haven't obviously I'm not watching the the US game right now um, so I'm not sure what the score is there but I thought um, it's been a fun tournament so far um obviously with uh russia not being there um latvia gets to come in and i thought they had a really good tournament uh and even germany today like germany lost to the Finns today but like the teams the teams like all the games today so far have gone the way you would expect them to go but the games have been really good yeah and uh just a score update it's 1-0 the united states is up on Czechia. there you go so yeah, I, I've I've um no I've I've really enjoyed the I've really enjoyed the tournament. From what I've seen, I've I've really enjoyed the games. I think they've been they've been a lot of fun. Um, obviously, there's some guys who you know like William Eklund who didn't go because they're trying to focus on making their NHL squad, which I can absolutely 100% respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think all things considered, I it's it's been a lot more enjoyable than I thought I would enjoy a World Juniors in the middle of August. Yeah, you know, I'll be I'll be totally honest. The, uh, actually, I pulled the game up right now, and this is the first bit of World Juniors I've watched this year. And I realize it makes me a bad hockey fan. Um, but you know, like you know, I was I was you know moving and doing all kinds of stuff, trying to get my life together. So I haven't gotten to watch. But everything I've read, you know, in our Discord server. Again, if you don't have access to that, please hit me up, and we'll make it happen. You know, everything I've read in the Discord server is that has been it's been a very exciting sort of tournament. And like you said, while the results are not that surprising i think the journey that it took to get to there i think it's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of excitement in in uh, watching it play out yeah and and kevin bringing up in the chat i forgot to mention you uh canada lost uh, ridley greg to injury which is 
pretty terrible for Team Canada. Um, obviously, being a Canadian, I am not super happy about that. Um, I do have a little... I have some concerns with Team Canada's game going forward. I think they've... Um, like, offensively, I think they've been great, but I think they've they've done... They've gotten into penalty trouble a few too many times for my liking. Um, mm-hmm. And I just... I get... I'm a little concerned about them. A uh, little concerned about them uh, as the tournament progresses. But yeah, that's uh, that's it. Oh, we did have a you know what we did have another question. Um, we had a question uh, from <sighs> longtime listener, first time caller, uh, Kevin Lacey at Kevin Lacey twenty <laughs> two. Uh, he asked, "Why haven't the Sharks traded for Connor McDavid yet? Can't be that hard." Kevin LeBanc, Nick Zichek, uh a conditional first. Um, my answer to that, obviously, and the, some of the responses to this are amazing uh my response is because mike is bad gm mm-hmm. i think i think that's like well, well i tell me i'm wrong i mean you know the thing that i took away from and i and i saw kevin's question you know shout out to thank you kevin uh <laughs> i don't want to say friend of the show part of the show kevin <laughs> part um, of the show yeah you know uh for me i mean the thing that i just took away from this is like kevin like we get it. You hate Nick Chichek. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I don't know why you have to keep reminding us. <laughs> I know what a jerk. All right, um, we thought you were the hockey jerk. I know Kevin's gonna come in here and he's gonna be like, I don't hate Chichek. <laughs> this is how we're gonna lure him back on the show. You watch. Right. All right. Um, I think we've 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 danced around long enough. Now we should probably put this to a close. <laughs> <laughs> uh once again we thank you guys for tuning in uh, like i said next week uh same time same channel um we will do a our next show uh if you have questions throw them in um otherwise maybe we might hit up a couple of teams in a row if we start really running dry on content but i don't think we will um mm-hmm. so uh jerk thanks for doing this obviously um super fun having you on as always um and i'm gonna get through the social media stuff so we can go home well, I am. Uh, so in case you missed it, you know, you can always uh, you can always come and find us on TealTownUSA.com. Uh, hit us up on all the social media. Uh, if you like what we do, please support us. Uh, leave us a like. Um, that helps us super, super much in the algorithm. If you have something to say about the show, please feel free to throw it in the comments below. I love interacting with people. Comments, good, bad, whatever. Don't really care. Um, but yeah, um, other than that, we do appreciate you guys being here and we hope to see you all back next week.